The spirit of performance is what defines Acura. And now, it's electric. Introducing the ZDX, Acura's most powerful SUV yet. Crafted using the same formula that brought them electrified supercars and multiple IMSA championships, the ZDX has track-tested performance that packs an energy all its own. Unlock the energy and order yours at Acura.com. This is it. We've got an Amex Platinum Pro on our hands, ladies and gentlemen. We haven't seen anyone relax like this before in the Centurion Lounge. Is he connecting to complimentary Wi-Fi? Oh, my. Look at that. He is. And you will not believe where he's going next. The Amex dedicated card member entrance for the win. Unbelievable. When you get travel perks with Amex Platinum, you're part of the action. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. This is Full Change with Tom Laidlaw. Morning, Tom. I saw you were at the garden last night entertaining the, the, the masses. Hulu Theater, yes. So we had like four current players in there signing autographs. I think part of the event last night was kind of a makeup. They had an event uh, that you were at at Javits Center a few months ago. And it just it didn't go the way the Rangers had planned. Not everybody got the autographs they wanted. So I thought it was fantastic. The Rangers, instead of just letting it die, they said, okay, we need to do something for the expanse. And they had the event last night. So my job was to, um, it's funny when uh, Jackie calls from the Rangers and uh, said, I need somebody to do a specific job. So the four players are sitting at tables signing autographs. And they need somebody to be out there entertaining the crowd. There you go. No brainer. Get the label snap. Did you walk the did you walk the whole lines? Yeah, I walked. So they had, so they had four different lines uh, for the four different players. So okay. and they had a huge line. They actually divided the line in half for Panarin. So yeah. I was more entertaining them. But it, it is funny, Tom. People that don't know, Tom calls me or I'll call Tom, and, and there's like a an artificial, but there's kind of like a six minute limit. Well, I think it's four minutes actually. Four minutes. Four minutes. Yeah. But, but I get, I get in an environment like that. I talked for three hours straight. It's nonstop. It's like because because you're just shooting the shit with people. Like we have like yeah. an agenda, and you want to get that agenda finished. Okay, what are we doing this week? Who's having? So it's very different. You kind of I think it's it. yeah, and you know what it is because you give me a hard time with this all the time. I think it's an opportunity to tell some of these stories that I've told many times on the show <laughs> that these people maybe haven't heard. So I'm just telling you know, the poop story from Survivor. And Where you go? I think next time you go, you should wear a giant full change podcast t-shirt uh, or something like the points promote the brand there's a lot of people there but yeah um you did you did i saw you they had you on the range instagram page and you, it was tom laid work in the crowd and you looked like you were in your element i do i think we should start jackie though because i didn't go last night and my son still this is what happened to my son this, this is how messed up the uh the first event was they had too many people and then as the line for Panarin is coming up my son is next i have to get his thing signed and they're like okay that's it they're leaving him and his friend were next they were the next two to go so they didn't, they didn't, uh, they didn't mean, but he's met him a few times and, and, yeah. you know, you know that's okay. Thing. I've went to an event in New Jersey. There's a really cold rink. Everybody's always talking about how cold it is. I can't remember what it's called. They tell yeah. the K Park. Yeah, that's right. Okay. K Park in Englewood. Yeah. Yeah. And I won't have to a half out of a rink. Yes. I don't want to embarrass the player, but the player, another alumni player had been there previously and he left early without getting all the autographs signed by everybody. Ron Probably the kid. No, I'm not mentioning the name. Uh, it wasn't Ron Dugan. So, um, the kids were all crying and everything too. So the gentleman that run the program, he came up and told me that. I said, I said, I will make sure everybody gets an autograph done today. Uh, and and I said, I that laid law. well, I tell that story more because I, I don't think they are always aware of the impact they're having on the kids all the time. Right. It's like how much they need to, not excuse or anything, but I think that's just kind of, they say, okay, well, we're going to be here from seven to 10 or whatever time it is. So it, you know, how many kids, like I'm very, I'm very fortunate because of my relationship with some people I know and that what we do, I get to, my son gets opportunities that other kids might not get. But think of you said in your life, you met Bobby Hall. Yeah. Huge deal for you. And like, if, if you get maybe one chance to meet a player, this is like your heroes, you know, you, that's a big deal. So if the player is like, you know what, I'm out of here. That's a real, when I was, when I was 10 years old, they redid the park in my town and, and Dave Winfield from the Yankees was supposed to come and do like the ribbon cutting and, you know, meet the kids and he didn't show up. And we're all like, what the hell? They, you know, they had a conflict of interest or whatever conflict in the schedule. And it was a huge letdown. And we still talk about it now. Yeah. So that's a big deal to kids. They want to, you know, that's yeah. like, it's a, you know, you guys, maybe you take it for granted. I don't know if you know the weight that you have. That, that's, that's a great point. It's not an excuse because we should do a better job. Of that. I think back to even when I was playing, I hope I did a lot for kids, but I look back, I certainly didn't do as much as I do now. 
Right. Like I was not aware back then. And plus we've talked about this in the past too. You're so wrapped up in your career. Like you're selfish. And, and I mean that in a good way. You just, cause you have to yeah. focus so much in your career. You don't always realize the effect you're having on other people. Now you're older. Now you get out in the community. Like last night you could tell that a lot of people are mad. Like they're younger. So I come up, Hey Tom Laidlaw. And they're trying to be polite, but they're yeah. thinking, Oh, who's this guy? Yeah. That's right. So I have to explain to him. I said, I know what you're thinking. I played back in the eighties and all that. And then they're, yeah, but some of them, probably the kids probably know four or five players anyway. I mean, there's probably yes. some diehard kids who know the whole roster, but most of the kids, I don't think my son could name the whole team, but he can probably name seven or eight players, maybe yeah. more. It's true. But like, you know, the, the, this, but the parents and the people who grew up in the eighties are like, that's Tom Laidlaw. You know, that's a yeah. big deal. That's, yeah. that's the, the third best number two left-hand shooting defenseman in the range of history. <laughs> and, and they all get the cell phone. So once they realize my name, then they go on Instagram, Facebook, and they're right. They, then they want to talk about Survivor. They don't want to talk about hockey. So, oh, really? Yeah. So let me ask you, how many pictures did you take last night with fans? What do you think? hundred pictures? Yeah, probably hundred pictures. Yeah, cool. probably about two hundred autographs. Yeah. Wow. Did you bring your autograph stamp? And then, folks, Tom has a, a rubber stamp at his house for. <laughs> he's going to bring it out. Words. Oh God. <laughs> That's funny. Oh, where is it? Please don't ever use that. If someone and lots of people write Tom letters and send in cards and stuff, please don't. Ever the use idea that. was, I thought that okay, my my authentic signature. You just get a stamp made. I was so I thought okay, I'm not <laughs> no. anybody. It's it's, a, it's my signature. But if yeah, you could go like this, I'm making a stamping motion or this as a scribbling right. motion. It's very, you know. You know but my autograph's terrible too. I got to work on that. Your autograph is terrible. We never write anymore. That's the problem. No. Yeah. That's true. Oh, but All right. So, so have we talked about who we're having up on our show? So today we're going to have a good one. We have a, a guy who was a defenseman, a, a, kind of a stay at home, but a big defenseman. He was undrafted and he, he played uh, for the a lot of teams. I think he played for 15, 15 years, yeah. seven teams. But he started a company called Verbero Hockey. We have a, he's the CEO of this company. And we have Andy Sutton coming up today. It should be a good interview. Well, I'm wow. curious to hear what he has to say about how he got into this company. He's a big man. That's right. He was not drafted either. Well, I want to hear a story. He went to Michigan Tech. I was in Northern Michigan, very close to each other. So we'll talk about that. Which is kind of a that troll D1 school, right? Michigan Tech is a D1 school. Michigan State is a D1B or something. Michigan, uh, Northern Michigan. What is it? Northern Michigan is a Harvard D1? Midwest. I think you keep forgetting to understand that. No, Harvard Division School. Up in the UP, the Upper Peninsula, that's right. Is it the they top school? Started in the uh, well, it depends on the year. So the Lake, Lake Superior State is up there as well. Michigan Dorak Jim Dodd School. That's right. Um, started in 19, the 76, 76, 77 season. And they, they've had one player, uh, maybe one player in, player in NCAA history has only been, the, uh, all, excuse me, has been a four-year captain. Who would that be? Jesus Christ? Close. That's okay. Close guess. Yeah. John Wayne. John Wayne. They're close again. Maybe a combination of Jesus Christ and John Wayne. Oh, who could play hockey? Wow. So yeah. I'm not very well. Wow. All right. It's Tom Laidlaw, captain. Yeah. Four-year captain. I wonder if, I'd like to research that, see if anybody else is a four-year captain. Wait, you were number, and you were number two in college, right? Yes, I was. Yes. And then you got two with the Rangers. Yeah. I'll never forget that day. Did we ever talk about this? We, we did. We talked about it. Yeah. You knew you made the team. But did they know you were number two at Northern Michigan? Yes. Yes. Okay. They knew that. So that was the when you went to the Kings. Two was taken. Two was taken by Redmond, I think it was, and then I threw. But then it opened up again the next year. But I thought I'm, I moved on from that. So I just went to Michigan. So then your email should say Tom Laidlaw two. At I don't. Board. I don't do that. A lot of our athletes, uh, they have a their playing number attached to their email. It's they do. Almost probably ninety percent of the people that we spoke to on the show in our eighty plus episodes have a their number in their email. We call that time to move on. <laughs> oh, do you? I mean, what if you have a common name like Tom Smith? You have to put a number because there's too many common Yeah, but you don't necessarily have to use your playing number from your playing days. Fair. Yeah. And what if, yeah, if you're not an NHLer though, you know, what if you just, okay, is that okay at that point? Um, yeah, yeah, it is, yeah. What number did you wear? 16. Is that, what's on, is that what's on your email? Yeah. <laughs> Time to ask me 0016 if anyone wants to get Tom on their events or book up or, you know, book them or, you know, get on our show, ask us questions. Feel free. <laughs> I moved on. Believe me, I wasn't. My focus now was on being the best low-level might hockey coach I can be. So, no, your job is your goal is to be the best father and husband. Hundred percent. Yes, your work is. And I'll work on that every day. Absolutely. Yep. You're very, very good at it, and you should be very proud of it. Oh, I appreciate that. Thank you. Thanks for the kind words there, Tom. Appreciate Man, that's that. it, though. That's it. Once, once a day, you get it's, it's like the four minute phone call. That's it. One compliment per month. Are, are we are we down to four minutes now? It's not six. I think it's four minutes. No, you know, it's it's since we're taping once a week. It's it's now six. I think six is fair. 
and, it, and every day, every Tuesday I get the, uh, I get the text in the morning, usually about eight o'clock in the morning. Who's up tomorrow? Who's, who's, who's released tomorrow? Who, who I don't say good morning. Right? That's not nothing. Yeah, very gruff, man, but it's okay. It's but my texting, yeah, my texting is terrible. Like, you know, like when I write a text, I think in my mind, oh, that's very nice. You're just getting yeah. point in. Other people go like, are you a jerk? What? Like texting is hard because you can't, you can't context. Yes. Implied. You have to figure it out. So that's why it's right. very hard for. That's why I like phone calls. Everybody wants to text all the time. I'd rather get on the phone. Nobody wants to talk on the phone. Yeah. Because yourself. This is younger people, right? They, no, they do. They, you know, they do. They FaceTime. Oh. Everything is FaceTime. Yeah. So like my people are doing this, uh, voice texting, they do a voice, like a voice text. I do. I do that when I'm driving, but it's, I, I don't, oh, you mean sending a voice message? Yeah. Like, but it's on your text, right? Like Terry Ryan, Terry Ryan, host yeah. of Tale of the TR and Shorzy's Ted, uh, Hitchcock. He, uh, he loves him. He, he's a voice texter. He sends you memos. Right. So I, okay, what's the point of that? Like, you... I guess I just don't want to type. So I'll say, Hey, uh, Terry, we want to, you know, want to ask you this and he'll send back. He's like. Hey Tom, so and it's just a whole like one minute message. So. so I guess it gets away from the confusion of what, what the real mood is, or what there's zero confusion. Right. So yeah. to that end, I guess it's you know it's it's a plus. Right, that's true. How about like you get a phone call? So like a phone call that could last ten minutes, last an hour. Like does that aggravate you? Like happens to you? Could you probably you probably be well, it, it, against the wall? It's a it's a business setting, or even with with women. Um, I've asked times where. I'm on the phone for two hours and I'm listening. Well, and one of our listeners from uh, Michigan wanted you to talk more about your relationships with women, right? Who was that? Jonathan Jones, the uh, the great lawyer out in uh, Detroit, Michigan, outside of Detroit. Yeah. He okay, so John, talk, talk more about our relationships. Jonathan Jones, here it goes. Here you go. Let's hear it, Tom. Well, you know, sometimes women, I think I've been told that I'm a good listener, which is hard to believe. Right? <laughs> I know, I know. I, I'm, but I've been told that. Well, what? I didn't know that. I didn't. So what, um, I think what happens is they feel like, okay, I want to listen to their whole life story or their relationship <laughs> with their uh, other, their exes and stuff. And I think I, I think I just kind of turned the switch off and I'm, I'm just not listening really, but I'm there. Uh, <laughs> There's a Charlie, Charlie Brown's teacher all of a sudden. Oh. <laughs> wah, 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 wah. Well, you know, I think it is, you know, this time I think you're very, you're very friendly and you're a very, yeah. you're a nice, warm person. I think people say, oh, that's an opening for me to just spill yeah. my whole life story on this man because he's very kind and you are. At first. Yeah. And then but what happens is once that happens, it's like, okay, I'm going to say goodbye to this woman and I will never speak to her again. It's just not, uh, and I don't know. It's like, I get confused. Like obviously being the twice the worst man, but I've, my confusion in my life is like, how do you be in a relationship properly? What do you do? What do you accept? You accept the you know, red flags and all that kind of stuff. So when people, they start, and the one thing too, with actually talking about their with the with girls talking about their ex relationships or ex-husband it's like, I, you hate that right yeah i would say to don't do that but, you know i just think like, it's not that you can't okay I've, I've been divorced you know he beat me or whatever the situation is but don't dwell on it like in and then well, it, yeah we've talked about that plenty of times don't live in the past you know move on everywhere what we have is today yeah so now how does this relate because not Attorney Johnson Jones wants to know about your relate your relationship. So what's what's going on now? How does this relate to what you're doing right now? Are you seeing anybody? Are you dating? No, no, not seeing anybody right now. Um, and uh, that, I'm sixty, almost sixty six now too. So I don't know if that's you know you get kind of set in your ways. I, I've been single for well, I've been dated here here and there, but single since fourteen years now. You've been dating. You've been dating quite a bit. So let's you know. Yeah, but with. <laughs> Very poor results, right? Not maybe not successfully, but you haven't been <laughs> shooting a shot for sure. But but you've seen it up front and center too, where it's like I, ca I can't recognize. I'm getting better. Put it this way, red flags. I've had a hard time recognizing red flags or, or overlooking. Or I say that that's fine. I can fix it. That's, that's okay. Yes, that's you can fix everything, or you're yeah. just gonna bail. But you do. You, you, I will say this. I've, I've been around you now for long enough to like, when you do meet someone, you get very energized and you have this childlike wonder, which is really cool to see. You know. Right. It usually fades to whatever. It either fades or just falls off a cliff. Right. right. <laughs> but it's there, you know. So yeah. And I, Wait, think I guess there's that, the anticipation that, okay, maybe she's not, maybe this could work. I was going to say that she's crazy. That's not fair to say. <laughs> uh, that is better. <laughs> I, I do. Uh, let's go. Okay, let's get going on. So we go. right. I, I met a woman oh, probably three or four years ago. She was like a very nice woman. She was Hispanic, lived closely. I like Hispanic women, Asian women. Um, Indian and women, this, African women, you, you like everything. 
So had her over for dinner. Uh, the gentleman, no attempt at any, you know, fooling around like that. Just cooked her. I think it was salmon, actually. So she was telling me stories about how uh, she had no friends. So she went on Craigslist to find a friend. Right. <laughs> and I, I didn't ask any questions. She offered up this information. Now, I'm sitting here listening to this stuff. thinking, oh, okay. And then she started telling me how she was married and her husband was cheating on her. So she, she was a dark-skinned, dark-haired woman. She got a blonde wig on and went to the JFK airport to see him in this his um, yeah <laughs> and okay so here's the thing though so she tells me this she leaves you know, kissing the cheek I, i'm not thinking too much of it because maybe i'm not paying attention i don't know <laughs> and uh so my son comes over the next day he says oh what have you been doing i said oh i'm this really nice woman last thing and he knows the history of my dating sure he says okay tell me about her so i start telling the stories and as i'm telling the stories i'm realizing this oh this is something wrong with this war and he's looking at me and he's dying laughing and i said oh god i just what do i do right here yeah, so that's kind of, I, I think I'm getting better at it, but that's kind of where we're at. Better, better at what, exactly? Uh, figuring out, is this is this situation something that can survive, or should I be running the other? Okay, so so the, to some, so for Jonathan Jones, Tom is dating, has had several dates. Yeah, several dates. So it sums up for Jonathan Jones, and that sounds like a fake name, that sounds almost as bad as Tom Smith. Oh, I never thought of that. So anyway, yeah. you've gone on several dates. Several dates. And I know for a fact he's gone on several, several. You should probably go into some detail about these dates, but you've gone on several dates for the last, you know, couple of years. Just have not found success yet. But it's not for lack of trying. You have a terrible shooting percentage, but you are taking lots of shots. And here's the thing, too. Do I really want to be successful in the dating world? Or do I want to just be left alone? That's a great question. Yeah. That gets into whole self-sabotage. Are you a self-sabotager? Well, it, or, or is it? I don't think I'm a self-sabotager. I think it's more, I've been so, uh, you know, I was married for five years with my second wife, 11 years with my, so I've proven that there's, I can stay in a relationship for a while. But one, the first one you were in the league, right? You were playing or no? Yeah. Yeah. So that doesn't count. Yeah. That doesn't count. Um, but is it more now, like I've been so used to being alone. I want my alone time. Like I want to be left alone. Oh, you definitely want to be left alone. Yes. So how are you going to be in a relationship when you want to be left alone? Great question. I mean, you need to sit out on your back porch and fall asleep outside with the squirrels crawling on you. When it's cold, they really do. I got all bundled up. I got the space heater. You're like the guy. Did you see the video of the guy in the subway? I don't know if it was on Ricky Mag Rick McGuire's uh, subway creatures side or not, but I saw online there was a homeless guy in the city, which is set terribly sad. Yeah. But then like a rat crawled out for the Oh, I, and then well, what? Like, Thirty. Yeah, you saw it. Like thirty rats came running out. Like wow, that's. Well, I, I got to tell you, it is sad. Like I, last night, I had to go down to the city. The weather is really bad. Normally, I would take the train in the Grand Central. And walk over to Madison Garden was like a twenty minute walk. Uh, instead, you can take the subway or the Penn Station, which is right underneath Grants. Grants. So I did that yesterday, so you don't have to deal in the rain. And unfortunately, the subway is uh, you know it's warmer in there, so a lot of the homeless people are just laying on the floor. Um, it, we used one subway train uh, or cab car, excuse me. Uh, there's two homeless guys sleeping on the benches, and it's kind of sad because everybody else is just kind of scattering away. They want to do. Yeah. And very often there's some mental, it's not always, I'm going to say this, but there's some mental health issues, drug issues. It's usually Micah, like uh, mentally ill, chemically addicted. But right. we can do better with that as a yeah. society. We can absolutely do better and we should do better with that. And it is sad. And I don't want, I don't want to make fun of the, the guy, but it was, it was just, it, it was shocking to see like 30 rats run out from under this blanket at, at yeah. once. And it was, that was terrible. And yesterday you, you took the train because it was a monsoon in New York City. Yeah. So. Yeah. It was nasty. How do we get from my dating life to uh, talking about homeless people in the city? It's kind of similar. Right. You're like, you're okay, here's a good story for you. Okay. So uh, you've never been divorced, correct? Yeah. yeah. I have not. Nope. Okay. So the first time I got divorced, yes, first time I got divorced, um, met a very attractive young woman. Um, and it's kind of like your rebound, right? So she had just gotten divorced. I had just got divorced. You got two people fresh out. Oh, wow. Okay. So we um, we were, uh, I don't like women smoking, but I guess for some reason she was pretty enough that I allowed her to smoke. And uh, we're in the car. And uh, I can't remember what happened. There really wasn't a fight or anything like that. Uh, she was using the lighter in the car to light her cigarette. And I reached for the, uh, to the radio station to turn it down or up or what I was doing. She stabbed me with the, in my hands. She stabbed yeah, me with the, wow. with the yeah. lighter. Nuts. And it, you could smell the burn. The burn. And she didn't realize what she'd done. I said, did you see what you did? I said, Here's where it gets even better. She then goes and stabs herself with the lighter. So she burned herself with the cigarette lighter. Yeah. Oh, that's a gamer. She's a gamer. She's all in. So he's ride or die, man. Crazy's cute. Crazy's cute. Crazy's tr crazy's also crazy. And, and look, game also recognizes game, Tom. So maybe there's something <laughs> of that too, you know? 
And on that, yeah, what is that game? Almost recognized? game recognizes game. Oh, I've never heard that. Before. Yeah, yeah, you rec- yeah, game recognizes game, and that seems to be your dating life. And on that note, we have Andy Sutton coming out, who is not crazy, who's uh, oh. is a CEO of a great company, and people got to really enjoy this interview. Yeah, he, he's a very impressive guy. Yeah, I'm looking forward to this. Here we go. Have a great day, everybody. I want to tell you a story. It's a story about a scandal, broken relationships, gossip, rumors, money, corporate rivalry, and a broom. A performance-enhancing broom. My name is John Cullen. I'm a comedian, podcaster, and for 20 years, I was a semi-professional curler. And I want to tell you the story about how a single broom almost imploded the 500-year-old sport of curling. We felt like we were bringing a knife to a gunfight. It's the story of a superstar and his fall from grace. Oh, I was being dragged through the mud. It's the story of two brother entrepreneurs with a dream. <laughs> I said, that's great news. It's a story of intrigue. I still don't understand why we want to keep his name secret. The full story has never been told, so I'm going to tell it. Broomgate, how a broom almost killed curling. It was a year I'd like to forget. To listen to Broomgate, search for Broomgate in your favorite podcast app. That's all one word, Broomgate. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com match. Just go to Indeed.com match right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash match. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Hey, Tom, we've got a great show today. we got a big defenseman, much bigger than you. Third, uh, 15-year career, seven different teams, and now he's the CEO of a great hockey company called Verbero Hockey. We have Andy Sutton on today. All right. I don't think his head's bigger than mine, but he's taller than I am, that's for sure. Andy, great to meet you. Finally, we've never, we've never met before. Actually, you were in Atlanta there for a while. My old college roommate, Don Waddell, ran that team when you were there. So, Yeah, yeah, great great time in Atlanta. Great, great to meet you guys officially. I, I, you know, Don Don was uh, instrumental in, in shaping my career for sure. Yeah. Some, some interesting trials and tribulations up to the point I went to Atlanta. That's really where everything kind of unlocked for me from a career standpoint. So again, just we'll go back there. Yeah, where were you born? Uh, London, Ontario. You guys, I can see you guys really did your research. No, it's, <laughs> no honestly, it's a great point. I, I really like to get to know you in front of the audience here, so we're learning about you. So I try not to do any research, which is typical of my school days at Northern Michigan too. So. <laughs> Well, I, I do my research, Andy, but I let Tom, it's a journey of discovery for Tom on these podcasts, yeah, so we yeah. just only stay back and let him do it. I, I was born in London, Ontario. My family, uh, I grew, grew up until I was 14 in Burlington, Ontario, kind of a, a bedroom community of Toronto, and then my family moved to Kingston when I was 14. I stayed there until um, my last year in high school. I went back to Toronto and, and went to St. Michael's College when it was still a junior B program. That was at the time probably one of the the best place to go if you wanted to try to get a scholarship and that's that was definitely the, the path i wanted to take you know i never got drafted to the ohl never got drafted to the nhl i was kind of i needed time to develop and you know the wcha at the time was the was a, play, a great place to do that on the big ice surface and you know being a being a bigger player was it was great for me to chase you know chase little little guys around uh you know the 100 by 200 foot was uh, definitely good for my game that's true yeah so in Michigan Tech, he went to, I went to Northern Michigan. What's that, like 90 miles away from each other? Maybe closer than that? Yeah, maybe maybe closer. Too close. Yeah. Wow, it's a cold up there. We were just we were joking around. We were on the show. What's that, sir? Pretty good rivalry, though. Yeah. Well, when we were, when I was playing there, you guys were in the WCHA. We were in the CCHA. So we really didn't play each other that often. Maybe like a preseason game against each other. But yeah, man, that's beautiful country up there. Man, you, it is tough. The snow up there is just unbelievable. What'd you say? You had like 340 inches your sophomore year or junior year? Yeah, sophomore year. You had to dig your car out for school every single day. It was hard enough to get up for an eight class, but you had to get yeah. up, you know, seven o'clock to make sure you dug your car out to get there on time. You know, the funny thing is too, there's no snow days. Like, no, no, we're, we're going no matter what, right? No snow days. There. I mean, 
I'm in Tennessee now, and then we were supposed to get like a dusting last night. My son, my son, he's just turned seven. He's like, we, we're not going to school tomorrow, right? I'm like, probably, probably not, but it's not, it's not right. So uh, that's funny. That's funny. So we were always one of the bigger kids on the teams you played on. You know, I, I, it was sort of like, uh, when in spurts, you know, I, I think early, like early in minor hockey, I was, I was certainly taller. I think I was one of those kids that was always trying to figure out his body being, be a tall and skinny. And then, you know, I, 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 I kind of went through a, you know, I was a late bloomer, you know, sort of through my teen years and, you know, I got cut from my mid midget, midget team. I never, I never pl- got to play triple A and midget. So I went, I went and played in Gananoque, Ontario in a, in a, you know, relatively obscure junior B league and, and stayed there for two years. I think I was the youngest player, uh, in the league at the time. So, but those two years were, were really helpful for me. I really got a chance to sort of experience what it was like to play with, you know, 20, 21 year olds and stuff like that. And, and you know, there was definitely fighting and, and, and tough buildings to play in like in Wellington, Ontario and different places. So I, I got a chance to, to understand what fear looked like in the game and, you know, got, got to figure out how to work my way through that. And thank, thankfully, you know, at, at St. Mike's there, I've, had a decent enough year to to uh garner a partial scholarship to tech and um you know that was sort of a gateway for me to get you know somewhere where i had four years to to work on my game work you know certainly work on my education and it was a uh, really in, in hindsight is one of the great experiences that i ever ever got to have you know it's amazing we've done over 80 shows now there's so many guys that come on the show and talk about how they were never drafted and junior or pro or whatever then they go on to have crew. it's almost like it's better because you got to fight through it more too right like your experience you're talking about the same mics well, I, I don't think that's going to happen anymore. I, I think, you know, with the ability to market yourself, you know, the ability to sort of like, you know, internationalize um, sort of access to you, you know, through the through the internet or social media or different things. I mean, I don't think anyone's really probably going to fall through the cracks too often anymore. But like, you know, to be a six foot seven and 240 pound defenseman and ne- never get drafted to the NHL in the 90s is kind of bonkers if you think about it. I mean, it was, uh, it was uh, sort of a, you know, probably a circumstantial thing. Just, you know, I, I got a scholarship as a forward. I got converted to de- to defense my sophomore year and really didn't do much of anything until my senior year where that kind of everything clicked. And then I, I you know, I went from, you know, being undrafted out of 14 NHL teams offer me the, the, the max allowable, um, you know, signing parameters. So really my life changed overnight and I had, I had fully assumed I had an op- opportunity in uh, the summer before my senior season to, take an internship with the U S Navy. And I was serious about my education at the time. And I almost took it and I decided, you know what, like this might be my last kick at the can. I can remember having this conversation with myself or with my parents, like, you know, I'm going to stay on campus. I'm going to work here this summer. I'm going to, I'm going to train, you know, and let's hang with the guys and, and, and really experience the collegiate life for at least another year. And lo and lo and behold, I mean, everything sort of, sort of worked that year. And I won defensive player of the year and all American and, uh, and to, to go play in the NHL and really bypass sort of the minor leagues. I can only play like 22 or 23 games in the minors and really got a chance to be up with a big club from the start and got a chance to to learn from those, all the people that are there and have, have those types of experiences. You think you fell through the cracks or you do think you developed later and that was uh, why you got everybody passed you by? I was late bloomer. I, I, I remember that when I went to St. Mike's um, in that – you know, for me at the time, that felt like a, like a great move. My, my parents, I think always impressed. Like, I don't think anybody ever thought, you know, I, I see these parents and I think every, so many parents think their kid's going to be the next NHL guy. And like, if you just look at the statistics of it, it's, it's almost a 0% yeah. chance. So I think yeah. my parents were realistic and, you know, I was decent, but I wasn't like, you know, I wasn't ripping it up by any means. And I had a chance at the same time to go, you know, I, it was really like a walk-on trial, the Kingston front act. So it was like, go to St. Mike's or go like, you know, see if the OHLs are up for you. Well, I was, I wasn't, I wasn't ready for that, you know, at 17 years old to go and, and deal with that. I really, my game wasn't there. I, I don't think it would have worked for me. Um, so I'm really thankful that I chose to go to St. Mike's. I got, you know, I had a great coach there and, you know, it, it was a, it's such an iconic place and to be part yeah. of that and have the exposure to get a chance to go somewhere. And then, you know, I really, uh, you know, really was able to sort of optimize the, the, the limited opportunities that I, that I had, you know, relative to access and, but, but tech in, in, in retrospect too, was a great space for me, a small school, you know, certainly educationally focused and let, allowed me to, to hone my craft and a lot of those, you know, skill sets, I think you carry forward for me in business now, you know, relative to, you know, critical thinking and, and things like that. 
Well, Andy, is there something specific besides that conversation that you have with yourself where you went from a nine-point defenseman to a 40-point defenseman your senior year? Like, what clicked for you? And what would could young players, like, learn from that? Well, I, and I say this a lot, you know, to young people that I that I get to connect with. You know, at Verbera, we, we work with a lot of minor hockey associations and young players. I do get asked often, you know, what what's the what's the secret, right? And I and I there's there's no there's no you can't diminish the value of hard work. That's a prerequisite. It can't be complained about. It can't you can't be assumed that because you work hard that you're going to make it. That's that's the common denominator: work at work ethic, good attitude. Um, you know, going going above and beyond, being a good teammate. Uh, being coachable. Those are the common denominators. Out, outside of that, you know, you, you have to be able to learn to trust instincts. So it, it, that's where, the, that's where everything un- unlocks the ability to be present, you know, and really I feel like, oh, be present. Like the kids don't understand what that really means. Like you can't be thinking about the past, what happened before. That's, that's, yeah. re- that's re- remorse. The past is always regret remorse. If you're ahead of it and you're like worried about like what's that, I think, or I'm going to, I'm going to make a mistake and I'm not going to get off the next ship. Well, then your mind's in the future, right? So, and and that 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 probably is, if you look at it objectively, like the things that we worry about for the future, they never really ever happen, and they certainly don't happen the way that we think they're going to happen. We usually we usually sort of you know you know make make uh, detrimental to us for some reason and sabotage ourselves. So, it, you know, it's easier said than done. But for me, regard at any point in my career where there was a fork in the road where like something needed to happen. You just drop the backpack full of bricks, and you just say, "Look, I'm going to do this my way, and I'm going to trust my instincts. And good, good, bad, or otherwise, at least I yeah. own it that I that I trust myself enough to like trust the instincts that I've owned up. You know, if you get to a certain point in your career, like I can remember this, you know, different stages of playing pro, you know, and if something's not working, I would just say to myself, you know what, like I'm I'm gripping it way too tight. Coach isn't happy with me. The organization's not happy with me. My teammates don't trust me." I'm going to go out at a minimum because there's at the time there was 32. There's 29 other teams watching, right? And I'm I'm going to just I'm not, I'm just going to play the way I need to play. I'm, yeah. I'm going to trust my instincts. I'm going to make a mistake. It's going to be a mistake of aggression, not not a mistake of omission. And that that's the other thing that I see too. Like so many of the kids now, yeah, they're pretty. They they skate beautifully. They're they're skilled in practice. You're like these kids are incredible. At the end of the day, like you got to get the job. You know, like you know, I skate with Ryan Smith here in Tennessee. He's probably a great example. You know, you watch a guy like Smitty and, you know, from a skill standpoint, he's not that fast. He's not that agile. It's shot, it's shot, like it sticks like a log, like, but, but you, you need a, you need a goal. Uh, you need a guaranteed goal. Like a, that's a guy you put on the ice. He's one of the top guys I played with in my whole career and he's the same way now. I mean, even at Shinny, I mean, he's knocks every puck down. He's like, it's just, it's incredible. Just the, the, uh, the, uh, the raw, just desire to get, that's about life too, right? If yeah. you take on your careers, uh, your relationships, yeah, you just got to let it go. We open up your heart and do it, right? Don't worry about it so much. Isn't that great? Ryan Smith also had a very good agent though too, Tom. Sure. Yeah, I represented Ryan Smith early in his career. That's where the magic always happens. You know, that, 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 that you're sort of at that precipice of like, you know, thinking too much, like paralysis by analysis. Yeah. Right? It's, yeah. it's and you're just like, you just, you, you, there's no way to get it done if you really understand the way the brain works. I mean, if you can operate in the deep subconscious, you're processing thoughts like 10,000 times faster. So, you know, you, you're really missing the opportunity to be, you know, and that's where the star players like really excel because that's where like skill and opportunity meet like an, an ability just to be able to live in that space in your brain where everything unlocks. And that's why they can think so much faster than everybody else. You, you wonder why they're in the right position all the time or why, like, how is it possible that it's the it's a three three game and the best scorer finds a way to put puck in. Like yeah. it just doesn't make any sense. He shouldn't he shouldn't be open. He shouldn't be available. Right. If you know that he's the best guy, Brett Hull, you know, somebody like that, like it's just it's it's unfathomable these guys that just like have the ability to 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 think faster. And that's the thing that I think families and parents need to understand. Like the going to the next level, it's it's a gauntlet and it's really a funnel. And, and the ones that fall at the bottom, they aren't, they aren't the ones that are like, just, just have the skill. I mean, you have to have all of the intangibles to really go the distance. Well, wow, Andy, you're a smart dude, man. We were used to have a bunch of hockey players on here. You're smarter than most hockey players. Well, I don't know. Well, too. I spent a lot right. of time stuff, trying to, trying to optimize my career. You know, and you, That's cool. You, you know, you, you might have to fight. You might have to block shots. You might be offensive sometimes. You might be a six, seven defenseman. You know, it's like you, you when you sort of go through the 
that gauntlet of like playing at the highest level and, and having to figure that stuff out, you kind of, uh, you, you've got to give it a lot of thought and figure out the ways to succeed in it. Totally. Well, Tom, did you though, did you give a lot of thought though, or you just went? Well, I was a little bit different. Yeah. So I was the old farm boy, you know, and it's just, I, like I, I would do what you talked about. Say, Listen, I just, I got to let go. I, I got, I, I'm not going to think about it too much. And that's been, I look back in my life. I'm in the process of writing a book and look back in my life and realize that's how I succeeded. Like when I started my agent business, I think if I thought about it too much, I probably would have scared myself to death and not done it. But I felt like, no, this, I put my heart into it. And I think that's key. And you're talking about it as well. If you, whatever you're going to do in your life, you have to put your heart into it. Otherwise it's just not going to work. Right. Can't be somebody else's idea. So coming out of college, you had 16 teams offer your contract. Yeah. Well, 14, 14 teams offered me a contract out of college. And you chose Atlanta. San Jose. San Jose. That's no, right. I'm sorry. Yes. Yeah. And at the time, you know, the, that an iconic team. I mean, you know, Owen Nolan was there in his prime, you know, calling a shot all-star games and, and the defense corps was like, you know, Gary Suter, you know, I'm Stanley Cup champion, Bob Rose. So they had some, some other guys that I thought I could come in and, and make an impact. What I didn't know at the time was that they, same time as signing me, they signed, you know, Scott Hannon and Brad Stewart and Shot Hines, right? Oh. So we were, we were, and Andre Zuzan, who was the seventh overall pick. So all five of us came in when we're really fighting for one position. And, you know, they, they kept, uh, you know, they kept myself and, and, uh, and Brad Stewart out of training camp and Hannah and Heinze went to the Myers. So did Andre Zuzan. I mean, so I was right away. I was like, shit, dude, I've got to make this, this has to happen now. Right. So, I mean, you just you just figure out a way to carve a niche for yourself and and figure out a way to stay and then you know claw claw and scratch every single day to to stay there. Someone's always trying to take your job and you can't really take anything for granted as you guys know. I mean you've got to got to fight for it every day. Yeah. Then, so how many how long did you stay in San Jose? So that was that was uh, two seasons and then I got exposed in the expansion draft and we got to go um, start start with the franchise in, in Minnesota, which was a big thrill. You know under. Jacques Lemaire and Doug Rasbro and Mario Tremblay. It was a really all-star cast they put together from a management and coaching staff standpoint. And, uh, you know, really got, that was a formative time too, because again, like, you know, Jacques tried to turn me back into a forward. Um, and I, I had this just epiphany that if I was going to go the distance in the NHL, that I had to do it as a defenseman. So I had that 24 years old or 23 or 24 years old, whatever I was at the time, I had the wherewithal to go and ask Doug Rasbro for a trade. I said, any, is there anywhere that, anyone would want me as a defenseman if you'd be so kind as, as to move me like I really feel a calling to this and I mean thinking about it now like he, he traded me like six or seven days later like and there was just wow. and 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 I, I'm so thankful for that because you know they, they could have they could have kept me and you know jostled me around or sent me to the minors done all kinds of stuff who knows but you know they did trade me and and Atlanta took me on as a defenseman and and you know Bob Hartley was not there the first year he was there my second year and First year was very average. The team was very poor and it's hard to look good on a really bad team. And, uh, you know, once Bob got there and provided a lot of structure, and I can still remember in my first meeting with him, he called everyone in and had a meeting, but he said, you know, Andy, you you have a lot of potential. He's like, you know, I, like you haven't shown shit. You know, I remember him saying, <laughs> I'm, I'm going to play you 30 minutes a night and uh, you're going you're gonna to hang yourself or you're going to succeed, but uh, we're going to figure it out. You know, so, and he did. He, he played me like crazy and, you know, good, bad, or otherwise, I was back over the boards against Alex Ovechkin every time we played Washington. And, and I mean, you want to talk learning curve. I mean, trying to figure out every single night how to defend against Peter Forsberg and Alex o Ovechkin and down in Tampa, you know, they had Cavalier, Prosper, St. Louis, Brad Richards. I mean, and we played those guys eight times a year. Carolina had, you know, Eric Stahl, Rod Brindamore. I mean, we had, in Southeast Division was a, was a serious place to play at that time. And, uh, you know, that was a, that was a huge deal. I owe a lot of my, a lot of my success to, to Bob and his belief. Tom, I want to say this real quick. How'd you like playing in Atlanta? And do you think that Atlanta's going to get a third crack at the NHL franchise? Well, Fool me, fool me twice, shame on me, right? I mean, I, I, I loved Atlanta. I loved it. I ended up staying there for a decade. Some of my closest friends are from Atlanta. Uh, I still get back there uh, fairly often. And it's it's a, it's an amazing town, amazing people, great Southern values. Um, I, I don't I don't know if it works. I don't, I mean, I think they've shown it doesn't work. I mean, we had, we had Danny Heatley, Ilya Kovalchuk, Marion Hossa, uh, Kari Litt, and then, you know, other, other, other amazing players on that team. And we, we still... Yeah, it's just not a great sports town, right? The, the, like sports in general. I mean, you've got the Braves, and that's you know that's pretty standard. The the Falcons are 
our mainstays there if you're a football person and then they have a lot of there's a lot of competition with, with collegiate sports right um, in, that, in that area so i i don't know i don't know and then it's very the you know the city center itself is is a challenging place to get in and out of traffic yeah. is horrendous yeah. i think a lot of people dislike people well, i don't i don't want to deal with this to go and game sit traffic for two hours and you know in two hours on the way an hour and a half on the way back type of thing to go watch uh you know go watch a, a game that i don't really understand you know like because that's the other thing is is hockey culturally something that really resonates in the south outside of the fighting well we don't fight you i mean the there's no it's not a it's not the same as it was where i think the might have been there for southern people um i i, and I so I, I don't think it'd be a good idea to go back there but the nhl is putting any more teams they should put a second team in toronto you know second team in your yeah. city you know what I mean? Like it would, it would do so much better. I don't want to shortchange your career, but I do want to get into what you're doing now. Uh, what is the company called again? It's Berbero. Um, Berbero has been around since 2008, paid into the NHL for three seasons with players like Cam Atkinson and others. And uh, I, we don't do that. That's not our model. Uh, I, I was fortunate to acquire the brand in December of 2019. Uh, only for, only, I can only say fortunate now. It wasn't fortunate at the time <laughs> going on in the world you know the world shut down and organized hockey and organized sports shut down in 2020 but really what that did with that that allowed me to rebrand the company um we really focus on all things custom we're we're all about custom we have proprietary software that allows us to track orders and process we have all kinds of team and association awards um you know we're i, I tell everybody all the time we're an equipment high level equipment manufacturer with that focuses on all things custom and we're really as much as anything we're you know, our specialty, our jersey, sock shells, pant, uh, pant covers, um, you know, ba bags, custom gloves, custom sticks, custom graphic sticks, and all the apparel items that teams need and, and order year round. And then, you know, we've got team, team store software and, like I said, order tracking software. So we really sort of you know, brought a lot of technology and innovation space where there isn't any and you know the that that's probably the main thing be able to provide a transparent and and partnership focused approach towards um you know care, caring for the team associations that we work with where's everything manufactured china we made no we don't man, we manufacture our sticks like most everybody else uh and some of our some of our stock equipment in china um and i mean that's a that i don't know what everybody's opinion is on that i mean i i've worked with chinese vendors now for the better part of uh, 12 years. I mean, they're, they're incredible business partners. They make, they make amazing products and uh, you know, the, 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 the sort of politics around, around, around China are secondary to the, to the yeah. people and the caliber of the, of the products. And then we, uh, you know, we, we have uh, several different manufacturing facilities that we use for our apparel programs all over the world, sort of depending on, on the order and who the partner is and where it's shipping to. But we, we own manufacturing and, and we, you know, we have team teams on the ground that, that uh, are, are a big part of our program. And that allows us a lot more transparency, you know, right down to the stitch. Like I want to be able to provide updates down to the stitch for our partners so that, so that they know where their order is in process and process when it's, when it's going to ship, how it's going to arrive, um, ease of distribution and how we label things. We really sort of redefine the process of, do, of doing custom right. So is there anybody that's competing against? I know other equipment companies, but do what they do what you do. I'll, I'll, I mean, I'll say this and I'm obviously biased. There, there are companies that, that sell products that we sell. There is nobody in my opinion, that's in the same space as us. That's de devoted so much time and attention to, to the, to the customization of products and, and really to the customer experience. We are so highly service uh, focused, partnership focused, and really you know, uh, really technology and innovation focus to be able to, to sort of optimize everybody's experience to make sure that, that things arrive when they're supposed to, that the goods are perfect, that you've had communication throughout the process. Um, and then really like from a partnership standpoint, whether we help with events or, or help with, you know, online Jersey fundraisers or different things like we really, we really are partnership focused and, and, and to the extent that no, nobody is doing it in any sport is doing the type of things that we do for our, for our partners or our association team partners. And then where can people buy the product? Well, Vermero.com is the place to start. There's all kinds of, you know, team in, there's e team intake for us. We're in the process right now of, of uh, completely revamping the site should launch in early February, which is really exciting. It'll be a lot more clear and concise relative to what you're trying to do. But Vermero.com is a great place to go to get information and certainly to reach out on the intake forms. 
Uh, secondarily, if anyone had any questions at all, you can you can always reach out to team at Rivero.com and we've got a we've got an incredible one of the best customer service and and support teams uh, on the planet, and uh, we interface through that through that email address uh, pretty much predominantly. Yeah, Tom, they do great jerseys. They have a great roller hockey footprint, and they're huge in colleges too. And your your South Carolina jersey was a huge hit. Uh, that whole kit was just a great hit for me. He did the Cox jersey, Tom. Like I'll show oh. them. It's, it's, it's great. One jersey of the year in, in uh, 2023, and we've got a uh, really incredible industrial, uh, or sorry, uh, graphic design team that 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 uh, really can create any look that a team needs. And you know, in a world where you can customize just about everything, we we give that we give that asset to our, our to our partners and really allow you to express yourself in a way that that isn't so boring. It's not supposed to be like, do you want two stripes or three stripes? Like, here's the stock colors. Like, We'll supplement the base of a jersey. It can be any pattern you want, and you know, we have twill, or it could have you know different types of secondary embellishments. It can be full sublimated. We really, we really structure and tailor our programs to what our partners need to be successful, and then really work to insulate that with value add. Like for example, you know, this this I always tell this story because it really embodies who we are. You know, our, I'll put our, ta- our our stick. And we only carry one stick because we're a best in class product company. But I'll put our stick up against anybody else's top tier stick. Where those are now over 400 US, we're at 249 retail all the time. Well, if you buy custom with Rivero, you get our sticks at 159 bucks. So a custom stick, custom, custom graphic stick. Mm-hmm. You up the entirety of the shaft, and you can design it. And you can get our stock sticks, custom sticks, whatever you want to do. So, I mean, that's just another example of ways that we have sort of pushed the envelope to uh, to really be partnership focused, and you know, with the emphasis on. On the core, our core business being the apparel, the game wear, and then, but at the same point in time, we have really high level equipment to uh, to support, and really that separates us from everybody else that just sells apparel. Uh, we're a hockey company that focuses on all things custom, and we've got incredible, incredible equipment, top tier equipment, and we offer it at you know forty percent less than the competitor equivalent. Well, you you're an impressive individual. Like you, if, if I didn't know you played hockey, like you're too smart to be a hockey player. I mean, that's a compliment to you. Well, I, I, I appreciate that. I, I, you know, I, I think for me, I, and played the game, hockey, hockey chose me certainly like yes. it was, it was a, went on. And I, I always, I always sort of fantasized what, about what I might do afterwards. And I tried all kinds of things, you know, when I first retired from the game and life has a funny sense of humor, you know, I end up sort of back working in hockey, but I know there's no complaints. It's great games, given me everything in my life, truly my family, my everything that I have, I owe to the game. I love the game through and through. I still play with my friends and have the best time. And, and I, and I think our game is a really spectacular place. And I hope that we don't, I hope we don't ruin the fabric of it with all the changes that are being made because they're culturally in the locker room and the things that, that go way beyond the game are the things where like, I would want my son to learn those, those attributes or not. You know, for team, respecting a coach, you know, the way you carry yourself, the way the game, the game, the way the game demands integrity and, and some of the core values that go way beyond the game. I mean, we, we have, we, we, we all exist in a, in a really beautiful space. That's yeah. uh, very true. Well, listen, I know you got to run. You're a busy man, obviously running this company. I appreciate uh, you you're coming on our show. And I really do mean this seriously. You're very impressive. I have not spoken to you before and uh, very impressed with the way you carry yourself. Good job. I appreciate that, Tom. It's great. It's great spending time with you guys. Thank you so much, and uh, we'll do it again sometime. Yes, absolutely. Yes. Thanks, Andy. Well, guys, see you. Thank you. So, just to piggyback off our conversation with Andy Sutton, so you don't think Atlanta will have a team, but I think that geographically it makes sense to put a team in Houston to put a team in another team in Toronto and maybe put one in Quebec and Kansas City now you have Quebec one the Quebec they say the corporate sponsorship isn't there in Quebec City I don't buy it I mean it's it's hockey games the juniors always sell out right they yeah but America corporate sponsorship right a lot of dollars corporate sponsorship true Um, true uh, and that's I mean obviously they when was it Obu that ran the team owned the team before and he moved it to yeah moved it to Colorado right yep Uh, that was apparently him making a lot of money that really had that of to course yeah that's why people own teams they, they own it for the sale because you're gonna at the end of it you know you don't you, you go into debt you just a lot of these teams run at a, a loss and then when they sell it they make their money back well like, yeah it, that was the way it was it's changing now like there's more more teams that are making money now uh it's true. So the re- revenue sharing is a lot better than the national hockey league was be- better tv dollars so that has changed again there are still teams that lose money uh, but 
Yeah. But, but yeah, but just to go back, we had Andy Sutton and he was he, he very well spoken. Definitely had that CEO, CEO vibe to him. Unbelievable. That, that was like, <laughs> Bach there. It's like, that's not a hockey player. We're at a TED talk right now with the CEO of a company, which we yeah. kind of were. But he, they, they do, I, I mentioned it briefly, but they did the South Carolina Gamecocks jerseys. They're awesome. It's just in, in script. It just says Cox across it. It was right. voted Jersey of the Year. They also do the jerseys for um, the show Shorzy that our buddy Terry Ryan wears. Oh, oh, so, okay. And what was it? Verbero. Verbero. Yeah. I, I didn't realize he bought the company and he acquired it yeah. right at the start of COVID, basically. Which, can you imagine that? Like, I, I forgot, I'm, just like we talked about, I was sitting there listening to him talk and I think, who is this? Is this guy <laughs> Bill Gates or something like <laughs> this guy oh, played in the NHL, right? Yeah. The rock piles. It's like when we had Jason Padola, and I remember we had him on, and we was talking about, what was the word he used that I was laughing about? Uh, oh, academia. Academia, very well spoken. Oh, yeah. Hockey players don't say that. No, but Andy Sutton did, and he's obviously, yeah. that's a great guy, and they are, customization is, is huge, like teams do order. Yeah. And, and, you, and it's it's the way it goes, especially like with all these my, these federations, youth federations, they're all buying their own custom jerseys, yeah. and sometimes they're right. Well, you know, I kind of thought he was going to price himself out of the market, because he, you're customizing everything, but when you listen to him explain it, it was less money. No, and it's two fifty for a high end stick is you know if no one if you're gonna pay four hundred you might as well just pay two fifty. I'm not paying that money, and I'm sure you're not anymore. You, I mean, you use Sherwood still. I used to wood sticks though. <laughs> <laughs> I was at we had, a, we had the charity game with Merrick uh, a few nights ago, and everybody wanted to hold on to the stick. They said, "What is that? They've never seen it before." <laughs> the little kids like this is so heavy. Yeah, I do clinics like that, and the kids are looking at it. Can I can I hold on to it? And because they get those light sticks, they grab yep. the stick. They say, "How do you hold this?" They say, "That's all I've ever known." So. So yeah, so so Andy Sutton played Atlanta. He played for the Islanders. We didn't get to get into that, but yeah, yeah, we apologize for that. He was short on time again. He's such a busy man, so we yeah. wanted to. We didn't have much time there, so we had to run through it. But what what's interesting though is that he he said like a, a six foot seven defenseman just comes out of nowhere. He gets on everybody's radar once, and he did go from nine points to forty yeah. points a senior year. Yeah. But still, a six foot seven defenseman who could skate like that's kind of a unicorn. How do you slip through the cracks? And yeah, you know I, who, who knows? I it, it's. Um, Again, I don't think he slipped through the cracks. I think it's a development issue. Again, that's, I mean, I wasn't there watching him all the time, but it's, uh, sure. yeah, I mean, like you said, you go from nine points to 40, so it's kind of indicative of how you play the game, right? Because I don't think he was a physical player of that size, but I don't think he was like a big bone crushing guy. He was no, just, but he could skate, he could move. Yeah. And, oh, yeah. But it, it's, it's, it's kind of like what you say too. He said he had a conversation with himself, which essentially yeah. is changing your mindset. Then yeah. he changed, he, and he used a great analogy. He said he dropped the, the backpack full of bricks. Yeah. He said, let's just go. That's yeah, so true in life too. And it's interesting you brought it up like, Tom, isn't that the way you've always done it? I, I, I didn't realize that. And that it, being with you and doing the show and writing the book and what it's made me look back at my life. And I do realize that uh, I had that. I was, I guess I was lucky to have that in me where I just, I just did it. Yep. I never, never thought about it. And there's bad things that happened from that as well. Like mistakes I made because I didn't think things through. Uh, but also all the good things that happened in my life were really like that. Cause I really, I don't want to say this humbly cause I'm really not humble as you know. No. Nope. Um, I don't like. I was never the best at anything I ever did. Like at any team I ever played on, like I was really don't think well, maybe, maybe, yeah, but, you know, maybe. But, but no, go but go back to your coach Herb. You're not the best player, the right yeah. player, and that's what oh, you had yeah. to be, right? And I guess yeah, my point too was that like, and I say that for kids to say, don't worry if you're not like, don't quit the game or get discouraged because you're not the best defenseman, or the best forward. Right. Just be come up, and I think you're teaching your son Thomas this: show up every day, do your job. Uh, be it somebody the coaches can count on. So now the next the next coach sees you, he's going to ask the past coach, and the coach is going to say, "Hey, listen, pick Laidlaw or pick Thomas, yep. you know, because you know he, he shows up every day. You don't have to worry about him. You may have to worry about other kids. You won't have to worry about him. So the right players, third, yeah, even thirty fourth, thirty fourth defenseman. Okay, it's fine. Now you can move up level after level. You need those. And another thing I told my son too is I said, "Listen, every after every practice, you always put the pucks in the puck pocket." Every yeah, day. yeah. Sure. If I'm coaching you or not, you clean up every time without fail. Yeah. You're another one too for little kids. Clean up the locker room when you're done. Like if you're in the locker room, don't leave tape all over the place. Like pick the um, tape the garbage. They want to make giant tape balls after every time we skate. They all want to just make the biggest tape. Yeah. yeah. But that's at, at eight years old, that's fine. Yeah. You know, see all the kids that got to, you know, yeah. So when we did stuff like when I coached the Greenwich High School hockey team, uh, I made, made the kids clean up. You're not leaving the locker room until the locker room is cleaned up. They I just think it's kind of like you're teaching them about doing it the right way. But I think yep. it's just also respect. Like you, you came into the locker room, it was clean. So clean yep. the, the yeah, it's like making your bed. Just get up and make your bed. Yeah, yeah it's a minimum requirement. And he said, and and he said about a great point too. He said, hard work is the minimum requirement. I mean, yeah. you, that's you just have to do that. Yeah, you can't just. Yeah, you're not just going to make it because you worked hard. You, right. You, know, you have to do the hard work, but it's also it's some. At that point, everybody's working hard. Yeah. It's just yeah. that. 
And we have kids now too, and I've seen it where they just, they don't want to put the work in and practice. They just yeah. like, yeah. well, it just doesn't mean that much to them. Yeah. It's yeah. like, well, that's, and then they warn them like, how come I'm not getting better? You know, how come I'm not, yeah. you know. But yeah, I got to tell you though, like a, a neighbor of mine, a young boy, he's 15, I think. And uh, the father was kind of worried because his work ethic wasn't there. So he was talking to me, went to, into the parking lot. I said, well, I got to be honest, like when I was 15, you know, I, I, my work ethic wasn't there either. Like, you know, I don't, I didn't have the same mindset I have now. I was right. very fortunate to have my coach, Rick Hay, the junior coach. He saw something in me and he made sure I had a work ethic. It was like, I did not have a choice. Really? I don't see you as someone who didn't have a work ethic though, because it seems to be your MO, you know? Yeah. But, but I mean, I, I guess it's more like I'll use the example of the breakouts. So this is the big thing that I remember about him. So I was a defenseman and I wasn't a puck crushing defenseman. So I, one of my keys was that I hadn't get the puck out of my zone. Mm-hmm. So I would kind of lollygag back to our zone, uh, not skiing as hard as I could and just you know, take my time doing it. And the key to part of the key to the breakout is get it back as fast as you can to get the puck, make sure you know where your out that pass is and get it done now. Right. So it was, I wasn't, I don't think I'd say it was lazy, but I just, I didn't realize the importance of that, like putting that effort in when I didn't have the puck to get to the puck. So, uh, but man, I actually spoke to him recently. Unfortunately, his son contacted me and I, he's not doing well uh, health. Right. So I, yeah, I forgot to tell you this. And so the son said, asked me to call. I said, yeah, no question. I'm him and uh i got because on this case i got a little teary-eyed again because this is a man that played such a big role in my life and he's nearing the end of his life now um and it really it's one of the you make it makes you kind of look back and say okay if this man had not been in my life what sure, I, I yeah i mean maybe i still would have made but man he made a difference like he really cared about me and he's one of those guys too he showed that he cared about me like getting on me and that's i think i well, it was it was good. I just want to know why you're apologizing for getting a little teary eyed. You don't need to. I mean, that's life, man. Uh, yeah. Okay. It doesn't make you weaker. It makes you, you know, it makes you stronger. I know. That's just for everybody else, not for me. <laughs> what? What great man? I know. You know what? And, and if somebody else is doing it. If somebody else is doing it, I'd be saying the same thing. Do apologize for crying. But then when it's me, it's like, yeah. I'm still John Wayne. That's right. I'm cowboy. Who put my cowboy boots on and my hat? Uh, I'm still like, as much as we, I do all this mental health stuff and I say to people, listen, you need to let your feelings go, express yourself and everything. Yes. And I, it's like, it's, and I, it's a struggle for me to do it because I guess I just grew up in that environment up until the last like five or six years, so, like, yeah, 60 years of my life. You've had 60 years to work on it though. Yeah. Well, you know, well, uh, no, there, there's no figuring things out. You, you would know me better than that. I, I know she's a girl. And it works. Yeah, I know. It's, that's the scary thing about it. It, it does work. But I do, wow. I was gonna say I do look back at some of the mistakes in me, but they can't. No, I'm moving forward. Yeah, can't work. See, I got like we talked about the Canadian Olympics for so much. Um, We've heard about that. Yeah, yeah. It's um, it's just that I, I I that was one of those times where I realized, okay, I screwed up and it was stupid, but you know what? I benefited from it. Sure, I worked I worked harder to overcome. So that's the problem with me is that I'm not well, maybe that's not a problem. It's a good thing. I'm not afraid to make those mistakes. That's okay. You need to because that's how yeah. you learn. But you, if you dwell on those on the past or any past mistake, yeah. you're not, you're not growing. If you yeah. think, let it inform you and you learn from it and move on yeah. and it's helped you. But, if, and, but, and I, I, you know, here's the debate though. Like people say, well, you got to learn from your mistakes. Yes. Like, I don't think I ever learned not to do that again. I learned this, that I would, re, I could recover because I just don't work. I just work hard. That, that's the problem with the mistakes. I, I shouldn't say problem. I just, I kind of disagree. Maybe not everybody is the same, but for me, it was I, again, and again, I was fortunate to play with a Larry, Larry Robinson, Wayne Gretzky. Right. Larry Robinson, again, would come around the back of our net in our zone, fire the puck right up the middle of the ice for a breakaway. It would get picked off. But he wouldn't stop doing it. Just keep doing fun doing it. Yeah. Well, Larry Robinson, but also that's your life. I mean, that you just keep yeah. doing things, keep doing things, keep doing yeah. things. Yeah. But eventually, you know, you, if you keep walking into a glass door, you're going to realize, okay, that's a window. And then you say, let me find Or you maybe, I mean, you just go right through the glass. Maybe, maybe you go through it. And then you free in the winter. But you know who doesn't freeze? Is uh, Andy Sutton, former player, CEO of Verbero Hockey. It's a great wow. company. Give Scranzi. What a classy intelligent man he yes. is. Wow. He came off. He came off like a CEO of a company, just from your expect for a CEO. Seriously, I was sitting there listening to him. I was in shock. I guess <laughs> I just you know again. I'm not criticizing the hockey players, but we typically are not. I mean, it's just, not that they're stupid guys, but it's not like they're you know. Like, yes. That thought of his CEOs were giving these talks and he, yeah. he gave a nice talk and it, yeah, yeah. you see that presentation in front of a crowd of 200 people. So yeah, something to uh, shoot for, you know, get that comfort, that comfortability near speaking See, that and, way. And I'm good speaking, but I'm rougher, right? I mean, I, he's like that polished guy. You know, yeah. Very guy. polished. Yes. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. You're, like, you're more seat of your pants. Yeah. Yeah. As he said, we don't, it's like, you don't call me polished. 
no, no. But he said, I see you guys to do research. I'm like, whoa, whoa hold on, hold on, hold on. Someone was did. You know what? <laughs> I, I I sensed that he was going to say that because here's this intelligent guy thought that we were research and I, I was prepared to sell him. I said, no, we don't. No, well, I, well, I do. But you, again, it's a that, journey that's very for you. Yeah, it is. That's very, I like the way you said that. It's very good too. I just compared oh, it to uh, my all my college days. I didn't prepare for anything. <laughs> discovered that you shouldn't be in college. So there you go. Yeah. And if you if you want to hear Tom, and listen, another good speaker is Tom Laidlaw. And if you want to have him at your event, if you want to have him speak at your school or your organization, or you want to have him come and sing songs and you know tell jokes, Tom will come. Tom is, he's a great speaker. He, he, he you can reach out to us at fullchangepodcast at gmail You can reach out to Tom on Instagram. Yep, that's right. I posted on Facebook a video of me speaking to you, some speaking agents, so you can see that there. And uh, yeah, reach out. And if you like this podcast, please like it, share it, give us a review on Apple, and uh, listen every Wednesday when new episodes come out. Great show. All right, grasshoppers, thank you for listening. We had a fantastic show. We'll see you next time. Look around. You can find cars like these on AutoTrader. New cars, used cars, electric cars, maybe even flying cars. Okay, no flying cars, but as soon as they get invented, they'll be on AutoTrader. Just you wait. AutoTrader.